0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Ross Jackson is the author of books including And We Are Doing It, Building an Eco-Village Future, Shaker of the Spear, the Francis Bacon Story, and co-editor of Gaian Economics, Living Well Within Planetary Limits. He's the creator of the Gaia Trust and Gaia.org. His new book is Occupy World Street, a global roadmap for radical economic and political reform. Ross, one of the things that this book suggests just from the very get-go is that we cannot actually improve what we got. We actually have to replace it. And I'd like you to talk about the process of how we replace it. Let's start with the uh, Guyan League. Yeah, well, um, I think the way you have to
1: replace it is you have to sort of plant the seed of an alternative on a very small scale. And uh, the Guyan League um, is precisely that strategy. In other words, we have a small number of, of countries get together, perhaps just eight or nine and um, form a new kind of world order for them, for the, just for their members, and it, which is based on uh, a different economic paradigm. It's based on the idea of ecological economics, that we have to operate within the uh, framework of a, uh, of a protected environment. And um, in order to do this, uh, we first have to realize that there's no way you can introduce ecological economics into the current structures because the current structures are designed to, 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 to destroy the environment and to destroy um, uh, culture and community. So we have to get rid of them and we have to replace them with institutions which are uh, compatible and consistent with the philosophy of uh, ecological economics.
0: Well, I think one of the things that, you, the point you make about the current ec- uh, economic structure that's really important to understand is that the the there are costs that are absolutely not accounted for in mm-hmm. the current economic structure. The yes. co- cost of cultural destruction, the cost of e- ecological destruction, the cost of pollution, um, the limits on the environment itself. There's only so many mm-hmm. diamonds out there. Yes. There's only so many fish in the sea. None of that has been necessarily pertinent up until the 21st century when we come upon ourselves being able to get out all the fish of the sea, all the diamonds out of the earth. And as we come upon that, um, if we start to include those kind of costs in the old economic system, it does not add up.
1: No, it does not add up. The, the growth for the last uh, almost 30 years has been uneconomical. We've been spinning our wheels. We're not getting anything out of it. No well-being, no, no increase in well-being
0: just an increase in, in spinning our wheels and activity. I'd like you to talk about your, your breakaway strategy. You mentioned a little bit about the, the EU as a model of the process.
1: Yeah, um, but it's a different model. In the EU is based on the idea of several countries getting together and forming a free trade zone, um, whereas the Guyan League idea is, is getting together uh, to form a, a model for uh, sustainability. And they won't necessarily be um, trading without tariffs because the idea here also is that each country uh, takes control of its own economy and its own priorities so that uh, as opposed to the EU the member countries in the Gain League will be able to have quite different uh, uh, policies. For example, GMOs. Some, some might say we, we don't want GMOs. Others say well it's okay. So that is you know the
0: basic idea. The idea then is to uh, bring back Economic control to the country itself. Exactly. And the ability to regulate tariffs, yes. regulate the flow of currency. Yes. And the currency itself would be within the countries then.
1: Yeah, the currency would be the traditional national
0: currency. One of the things that, that uh, w- we talked about was um, we have these eight uh, institutions we're going to found. And um, I think the most important is the GTO, which replaces the WTO because. Yes to your mind, um, the first thing that any country to join the Gaian League League has to do is to get out of the WTO. Right. Uh, Talk about um, how all this uh, leads up to and draws on the Occupy Wall Street movement, the Occupy movement around the world.
1: Well, the the relationship, um, I think, is that the the Occupy people have pointed to the problems which have arisen out of this neoliberal economic system in particular their focus has been on the inequities that are coming from from the wealth distribution which has been you know the wealth has been uh, increasing for the top 1% and, and it's pretty much been unchanged for the bottom 30% for the last 30 years that, but but they have not actually uh, got to the point yet where they have um, any concrete alternative but, but so my hope is that if we can form a, a sort of a Guyan league as I'm suggesting in my book, that the Occupy people could start demonstrating in the streets in their countries where they are and, and say to their leaders, why are we not becoming a member? These guys are doing exactly what we claim to be doing. You know, they're standing for sustainability, for human rights, for democracy and freedom. That's our agenda, too. Why aren't we a member? And so, say, we want to have a, a, a referendum on the question of whether we should join. And it's going to be difficult, I think, for the politicians to, to get around that argument. The problem is that the, 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 there has been so much uh, hypocrisy um, in, in, in many countries where they say one thing and, and do another. And so at the very minimum, I think this, uh, ocupi- the occupied people can, f- can focus our attention on, on uh, this uh, discrepancy and get a debate going. So let's, come, let's start it up. Let's, you know, let's get the debate going.
0: It's a, a kind of a combination of top-down change uh, in the creation of the Guyan League yeah. and bottom-up change in exactly. the creation of the fomenting, the request for that in the Occupy movement. Exactly,
1: and the two working together can accomplish something that neither could do alone. That's, that's the, the beauty of it.
0: Now, um, as, as a guy who's founded a, a series of ARC ecovillages which kind of uh, exist in a slightly parallel reality to what, what we're talking about here, I'd like you to just talk a little bit about um, the the crosstalk for you as a writer and a creator between these two different uh, you know works of art I guess as you as what I what I call them.
1: You mean on the one side the eco village movement and on the other the the uh, occupy world street. All occupy world street. Well it's interesting you mentioned that because um, occupy world street is normally conceived in the public mind as a protest movement Um, But I was called up here a couple of months ago by a member of the Occupy London group who told me that they had been talking a lot about how they could do something of a more positive nature because nobody wants to be negative all the time, right? And uh, he said they had the idea that, that they could start building eco-villages, and that, that's why he contacted me. He said, "I know nothing about eco-villages. Can you help me?" And so I was able to point him to a number of uh, resources to start learning about eco-villages, and I suggested he visited uh, Fintorn and that sort of thing. But this is an interesting uh, connection because if the occupied po- people can uh, shift into a positive mode, uh, that could make all the difference. And one of the reasons I've p- been supporting. The eco movement from the beginning was precisely because it was a positive vision. It's something you could do and feel good about instead of just, you know, demonstrating against something. And, and this is what has given it so much energy.
0: I think that's, I think, one of the real important parts of the existence, actually, of this book, Occupy World Street. The book itself is a creation. And I think that books help us by virtue of reading. When we read a book it changes the way we think it's a kind of a form of meditation Mm -hmm. and I think that reading this book forces us to meditate about things that are difficult to wrap your brain around yeah. and also, you know, kind of scary. And I, I, one of the things I think you do well with this book is to turn something that's scary into a positive vision, saying, yes, this could happen, but here's something we can do to mm-hmm. beyond it. Yeah.
1: It's, it, it was very difficult for me, too, to really find a way of getting my arms around the whole question of uh, what does it mean when we talk about... Uh, uh, a framework for a, a global uh, economic system. You know, I mean, it's, as I mentioned, I think earlier, it's very easy to make a complicated model uh, of a complicated world. What's difficult is to make a simple model of a complicated world, which 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 shows the really essence in what's what's necessary, and that's what I've been trying to do here, and identifying some particular institutions that are necessary in order to have a, a, a new a new more uh, holistic and uh, sustainable kind of economics to work in practice.
0: You spent uh, six years writing this book. Yeah, roughly. Uh, uh, I kept
1: updating it all the time.
0: (laughs) I'd like you to just talk about, you know, conceiving the book what your first conception of it was, how you set out to write it, and what kind of research you did, to just talk about the creation of this book that itself is intended to inspire a creation.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I came relatively at a relative early t- point of time, I came to the uh, intuitive idea that the breakaway strategy Um, was the only viable strategy I could uh, imagine that might actually uh, change something because of the the fact that the existing system is, is like a log jam where everything is fixed and nobody's willing to to look at the common interest. And so that was my starting point. And so um, I went from there backwards to to, to talk about all of these uh, uh, problems that are facing us. But so I I, I had the idea of splitting the book into two parts. One is sort of defining the uh, the issues and looking at the causes of these issues and then moving on and the barriers to to solutions and then going on to there to find out how could we, given this situation, uh, how could we... Solved the problem by um, this breakaway strategy approach, and then from then on it, it expanded into all these different institutions. Initially, the main thing I was thinking actually was was the, as you mentioned the gaian Trade Organization as the the main theme, and later on these other things came to me uh, as as extensions of that. I actually wrote a couple of articles uh, earlier in, around I think from the year 2000 to 2002 and three around. Uh, the idea of a new trade organization.
0: Now one of the things that uh, I find so interesting about all this is uh, you know, the website, Gaia.org and the Gaia Trust. Um, talk about how you can see yourself able to leverage the electronic frontier to take this out to the frontiers of, you know, villages where there are no websites. There's, you know, The only access is if somebody happens to have a cell phone.
1: Well, you know, um most uh, ages today are actually quite um, uh, modern in terms of communication. You I don't think you should uh, worry about that. <laughs> okay. No, we're not af- they are, they're not afraid of, of modern technologies by any means. So they're all got they've all got their cell phones and uh, they have their uh, laptops and so on. <laughs> but uh, in terms of spreading the, the word through the through the web, um, I expect that will primarily come from a new website, which is set up, which is called OccupyWorldStreet.org. And I'm hoping that that could be a focal point for people who would like to uh, discuss these issues and add their ideas and perhaps even form local groups around the world that could Take it up and discuss locally, and maybe even put some pressure on their local politicians to look at it and consider. Uh, it's too early to say, you know. It depends. All depends on the response. If uh, if that could, you know, become an, a, a real movement, it's too early to tell. But I I hope that it, it might
0: go that direction. Do your Do you see yourself as setting up uh, meetings with the heads of these countries you suggested to uh, to say, you know, to go to the the head of Bolivia, Sri Lanka, Costa Rica, Iceland, Norway, and say, my name is Ross Jackson, and I'd like you to join the Guyan League? I
1: don't think it's going to happen quite like that. Uh, What what I have in mind is is gradually um, using my international contacts and a lot of the new ones that I'm getting now from the book to find out if there are... um, Persons who could have uh, who have uh, contacts with some of these key people and could personally put these ideas in front of them, um, with the idea of establishing a dialogue with with other other countries. It, it needn't necessarily involve me personally, but I would certainly be willing to attend a meeting if that was what uh, was wanted. But I think the real key thing is at some point that a dialogue uh, starts between some of the potential candidate countries, maybe just two or three initially, and. Uh, at some point, I hope a leader will emerge, a leader who has the charisma and the vision to, to step forward and say, this is something we have to do for the sake of our planet. This is, we have to do this, and we're going to do it not because we have any personal advantage in it, but because we think it's, it's necessary. And uh, that's, that could make all the difference if the right leader appears.
0: Well, you know, uh, you say that you want them to do it because it has no personal advantage, but it it really does. I think ultimately, uh, all in our well, best ultimately, interest. It's, it's, <laughs> yes, all
1: of it. But but it's a big difference between doing something which is is a clearly uh, an attempt to uh, um, benefit the local region, let's say, or your local members mm-hmm. uh, at the cost at the cost of others, and that is not the case here. Where they're they're saying, um, actually, they're sacrificing something initially because they're going to be uh, putting certain sort of penalties on their own uh, production by. Limiting the amount of resources they're using and and starting to uh, limit the amount of co2 emissions This is they'll have to behave according to these rules themselves. Mm -hmm. So in that sense that it will be uh, a negative
0: effect in the short run do you but I think the uh, Presumably the positive effect will come quickly enough to uh, uh I guess, offset the, any negative I
1: think effects. it will, because um, one of the things I'm pushing very hard here is the idea that they have to take back control of their economies. And, and, and once you do that, you create a fantastic positive dynamic. You, once you, these countries who have been importing their food, for example, right, once they start to realize that food production locally is the key to development, you know, then they started producing their own textiles and their own housing. And before you know it, their secondary industries are coming up. And before you know it, they're growing again in an, an organic way. And they're not taking on more foreign debt. That's a real key thing, too. eh? And so I think you could create a fantastically positive dynamic in some of these countries um, once they get into this idea. And I don't think it'll be
0: conceived as being a sacrifice um, once it starts. I've been speaking with Ross Jackson. His new book is Occupy World Street. Thank you for joining me, Ross. It's been a pleasure.